With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, number 15. Uh, I'm Kurt Schilling, former shaker off of Jason Veritek to lose my no-hitter. Uh, and he is Bill Graff. What's up, Billy? How are we doing today? I never shook anybody off to lose a no-hitter. So That's because you're smarter than me. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're going to get right into lots to talk about today. And we're going to kick it off with the – well, we'll kick it – we'll start at the top. 12-0. Uh, and 0. The, the Tampa Bay Rays are 12-0. and 0. Uh, and I, I laughed last night because I saw, Bill, I saw somebody, there was a Twitter thread uh, started and run by Yankee fans. Uh, and uh, uh, who's the, who's the, the Russo mad dog guy. Mad dog. Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was talking about, I don't buy in blah, 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 because they played uh, bad teams. And um, I, I always say two things. One, you can only play the schedule in front of you. And two, Bad teams are bad teams because of how badly you beat them uh, a, a lot of times. Um, and the Rays are doing some things that have never been done before. Uh, they um, On Wednesday, uh, Taz Bradley started. Uh, I think he went five, he went five, gave up three, walked one, uh, punched out eight on five hits. Uh, they never trailed in the game. They won 9-7. I watched some highlights of this guy. And then I posted on Twitter, uh, go back and take a look at the punch outs uh, in the video. And the thing for young pitchers to look at, look at the finish in his delivery and how effortless this kid is. It's, it's, uh, you got guys reacting as if the ball is 105 when it's 95. It's still hard, but it's got what we call late life on it. And, and late life is, is the, the visual, uh, the visual, uh, I don't know what to call it, but the appearance of the last 10 feet of the pitch. It looks as a hitter, it looks like it comes in about 50 feet, and then the last 10 feet, it just jumps to the glove. It's got late life, it's what they call it. Uh, and that's, I, I'm going to guess there's a direct correlation to spin rate and all the things that go with that. But his ball, his fastball is late, late life, straight four seam fastball, uh, good breaking balls, but just power and uh, a young arm, which the Rays, my goodness, can they turn them out? Um, uh, and just another reason to buy that Tampa might be a whole lot better than everybody thought, including me. Um, well, I, I was surprised, you know, with an 11 game winning streak, they're just bringing up a prospect and saying, go get them, go get our 12. Well, I think, I think the Rays are the Cardinals of the AL in the sense that if you look at the history of the Cardinals and of the Rays, all they do is create baseball players. They draft baseball players and create big leaguers in the minor leagues. And it's a, it's an organization wide. It starts at the top with, with who you draft uh, with a lot of intangibles being very important to you that might not be uh, uh, important to other teams. And by that, I mean, um, you know, everybody talks about the five tools and the 40 times and time to first and spin rate and exit velocity and all those things that matter. But there's a tool that I, I first noticed it with Dustin Pedroia um, and Kevin Euclid, who guys who uh, in the 
old days uh, wouldn't have been on radar uh, of many scouts because of size or physical appearance or whatever. But th there's a sixth tool that that players call uh, basically it's the it's the baseball tool. Uh, some guys are born to play this game. Uh, whether that they look at physically or, or appear it, they they just are baseball players. They have an insane baseball IQ. They they outperform. I mean, Kevin Euclid, who got famous for you know Billy Bean's Moneyball, was an outstanding big league baseball player. I think very underrated, very underrated defensively, but offensively, he was one of the first Moneyball era guys who whose value was he wasn't going to hit thirty homers. He wasn't going to hit 350, but he was going to be a guy who was on base close to 40% of the time, and every at-bat was going to be productive. Um, and you're, you're starting to see uh, the Rays – not starting to see, but the Rays are putting out players like that, and they draft players like that. You don't see uh, – if you follow the Major League Draft, which doesn't have nearly the the following of the NBA or, or, or um, the NFL, because guys in the draft are so far away from being seen on your television as big leaguers – uh, is, is I think, but, but these teams draft very consistently. They draft baseball players. They may miss on, on prospects, but generally it's not because of a lack of, uh, of, of talent or execution or baseball IQ. It's usually physical and they, they keep doing that. So this kid, uh, I don't know that he's even six feet tall. Um, but he's an arm, he's a power arm, uh, and with a really, I'll say it sexy delivery, uh, in every possible way. Anyway, uh, and I remember this team in 1982, the Braves started out 13 and 0, uh, which is the longest streak to start a season ever. Uh, totally irrelevant to the, to the, to the uh, picture of the bread the, the Brewers did it in 87 Braves and Brewers, both uh, Braves got swept in the NLCS and the Brewers missed the playoffs, which means nothing. But uh, there's that for all you guys who are looking at gambling and betting. <laughs> I did not know this and Bill, thank you for pointing this out. As of Tuesday, the Tampa Bay Rays had 29 home runs as a team and had allowed 20 runs total. That's that's some some otherworldly right there. Um, that is that is off the charts crazy. It is the largest differential in Major League Baseball history at any point in any season in Major League history. They've hit more home runs and given up fewer runs through 12 games than any team in the history of the game during any run of 12 games. That that's absurd. It's crazy. Um, it's ridiculous. It's re especially at a time and place where the feel is that they're trying to put more offense into the game. Um, And I, and, and I, on, yeah, I ahead. pointed this no, one ahead. out to you. So that the, the story in that Boston Jays game, that's that just hurts you as a fan. Oh, the, the Boston pitcher, Zach Kelly, who's undrafted, signed yeah. a $500 signing bonus in 2017. So this is a kid that played Division II baseball, totally off the radar. And in the fifth inning, hurts his elbow for the yeah. second time, tears in let, his eyes. Let me, get, let, me, let me put some context to the story for, for those of you that are, that are marginal fans and don't get in-depth. Or for you Red Sox fans who don't understand what's behind all this. Um, when guys get drafted for the most part, um, it used to be, and it probably to some degree still is, there is a hierarchy in the minor leagues. Um, the, the, your coaching one-on-one -on -one time, your, um, uh, allowances for leeway for bad, good and bad performance for slumps or whatnot is almost directly correlated to the round you're drafted in and the money you're given to sign. 
That is to say, a guy like uh, Zach Kelly, uh, if he gets to the big leagues, he does it 100% on his own without any help or any boost um, because he's drafted as, you know, and I, I don't mean this in a, in a demeaning way. It's going to sound that way, but players know what I'm talking about. It, he's drafted as kind of a, well, no risk. He's a late round pick. If, well, if he, he was, makes... he was undrafted. He walked on. Right. right. But I'm saying, so th- there's the late round pick that is, uh, uh, if he makes it, it's no risk to us just below that about nine levels under the surface buried is this guy, the undrafted free agent who presents zero risk nine times out of 10. There are, it used to be these guys always got drafted because there was 50 rounds and they would take a late round flyer or whatever, but guys like this, earn every single thing they're given. And that's not to say that anybody in the big leagues doesn't earn it, but this is a, the hardest road to hoe because nobody is is sitting in a room when they're doing the players meetings in spring training saying, Hey, this undrafted guy, I really think we got to stick with him. And, and, you know, they, they, that's not how it goes until you get on their radar. He's in the big leagues. Not only is he in the big leagues, but he's in a middle rotation spot. And by that, I'm our middle pitching staff spot. The pitching staff has two ends. The front end are the guys that you trust to give the ball to start the game. And the back end are the two or three guys, used to be the two or three guys, maybe two guys who are you trust with the high leverage late inning situations. It's changed a little bit in that the middle of the uh, the pitching staff now is taking on more leverage, higher leverage innings. But still, you work from the center out for the most part. When you get called up to the big leagues, you're in the middle of the, uh, of a bullpen and you work your way out of the middle. The middle is kind of where the your 10th, 11th, and 12th pitchers will sit. And if they if they're good, they'll work their way to the front of the game or the back of the game. He was clearly, uh, you know, five, you know, only five innings, but I, you go on what you have. He clearly has the ability to pitch uh, higher leverage innings at the beginning or the end of a game. Um, he had a UCL injury before, and this is where it's hard to explain the the hundreds to thousands of hours that you spend alone rehabbing an injury in in some dark place. Um, uh, are are un, uh, unexplainable, inexplainable. Those hundreds and thousands of hours are the reason why a lot of people retire. Uh, I don't know if you're hockey fans at all, but uh, Patrice Bergeron of the Boston Bruins is having a stellar year on, in, uh, for the greatest single season in a franchise history, in NHL history. And there's a lot of talk around the fact he may retire and people are like, you know, David Ortiz, when he retired, same way, went out with a monster year it's all the hours you don't see that, that generate the retirement talk from the two hours that you do see, because there's thousands of more hours behind the scenes that you don't see that involve the pre-dawn wake up in the wintertime, two weeks after the season ended, to start getting ready for the next season, and all the things go with that. You add a UCL injury, which generally is an injury where you wonder if you're ever going to pitch again, getting all the way back, undrafted, free agent, comes to the big leagues, dominates, and now this and it was absolutely gut-wrenching to see the images because the face he was making i i know uh, and i've seen before and that's a guy who he knew the second he let go of the pitch that he had retorn his ucl and the the things going through your head are oh my god i've got to start all over again and just hate seeing that And, and you know one of the few bright spots along with Devers for the Red Sox this year. Just hate to see that. So um, thoughts and prayers to Zach, and hopefully he'll find the mental wherewithal to get through this again and come back because this is the classic case of uh, bad things happening to 
what I believe to be good people. So, um, and then moving on from the sad story uh, to, <laughs> so I had a friend, Bill, uh, text me the other day. Excuse me. Uh, is uh, here's a, he said here's a question: Is Shohei Otani a better pitcher or a better hitter? And my reply was yes, with like five <laughs> periods after it. Yes. Yeah. Um, again, you're seeing things that you'll never you've never seen before. I don't think the game has ever seen before. Uh, again, as of Tuesday, uh, which in which he pitched seven shutout innings, he, he was two and zero with a 0.47, 24 punch outs in 19 innings. He said, and, and rightly so, uh, he's walked 12, which is a very, very, very high amount for 24 innings. But when guys can't hit and make solid contact, that happens. That, it lines him up to be a guy who potentially is going to toss a couple no-hitters. You know, we talked last show about it being effectively wild, and, and that is exactly what that is. Um, the thing that I will generally call bullshit, uh, but that I believe 100% in this case, you'll, you'll see guys – uh, Bill and Bill, you said to me before when we were talking before that you know he legitimately throws seven pitches. He does, and, and that makes him an absolute uh, double freak of nature. Um, you, you don't do it. You just can't do it. People can't. There are certain people. This is almost like uh, the the child prodigy who puts sits in front of the piano and plays Bach uh, the first time they touch the keys. There are certain very few guys who have a touch and feel that other people don't. Um, and, and as when I'm coaching young pitchers, I'm always talking about paring down your pitch selection repertoire to manage three or four pitches that you can control. He's got seven. He commands all seven. The only guy I can ever remember seeing with more than two or three ultimate wipeout pitches, two guys, uh, Pedro Martinez and Eric Gagne when he was closing for the Dodgers. But, uh, you got a sweeper, uh, which I'm assuming is this horizontal slider, four steamer, sinker, cutter, slider, splitter, and curveball. Um, He's hitting 300 with three bombs and eight uh, RBIs. Uh, and I think most importantly, Bill, honestly, the most important thing about the whole note is that the Angels are six and five and possibly relevant. Yeah. Um, two best players in the world because you, I can't even fathom what the talk is going to be if the Angels are out of it at the trade deadline. What oh. would you give up? Yeah. What do the dot? What do you do? You, as the Dodgers, do you if you're going to sign him this this winter? Do you risk letting another team trade for him and then convince him to go there, like the Yankees? And if they do trade him, what's the package like for Shohei Otani for six months, assuming you can sign him for 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 three months? Three months. For three months, what do you give? Because you're getting a number one and a number three hitter. Number one pitcher and a number three, a legit ace and a legit middle of the bat dominant power average guy. I mean, I don't know. Uh, I don't see how. Well, I guess, you know what? I'll, I'll say this. When you look at free agents and where they sign, you can tell a lot about a player by their motivations. If he re-signs in Anaheim, to me, after if they fail this year and they're miserable, if he resigns in Anaheim, he's a guy who's a winning a World Series is not his number one priority. Or, uh, I mean, with rare exception, if he doesn't, then you can imagine. I think it is because the money's going to be laughable. I mean, I think we're talking definitely over our first half a billion dollar contract, which is just to even say that is 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 awesome. Crazy. Um, so my interesting. Yeah, my yeah. my theory in looking at a lot of the stats is we don't have guys really popping. So I, I gave you a list of players right. here yeah. 
who yep. have five home runs and 10 RBIs so far. And, right. and I this don't... is, I was going to say, Bill, this is not, uh, this is not a, a metric driven group of people or, or, or list, but it's, it's notable. We're what 10 to 14 games into the season. Yeah. <clears throat> and there are six guys, six in the big leagues. Think about the rule changes and the fact that, that everybody feels like, and thinks like, um, every the rules are all intended to get more offense in the game. Six guys in the big leagues, we'll say through a dozen games, have five five plus home runs and ten plus RBIs. Six guys. Uh, you got Alonzo with the Mets, six home runs, twelve RBIs. Who are starting to the Mets are going to be where they're supposed to be at the end of the season. I really believe that. Yeah, they are. Buck Walter's team, uh, I think, will overperform. Uh, if if anything, um. Scherzer Verlander being healthy is going to be a big piece of that, but it's not going to be all encompassing for them. They, they, I think they're going to be able to hit their way through some, some pitching issues and pitch their way through some hitting issues, which everybody has. Um, uh, the, the, the pirates, it pains me to talk about the pirates because I grew up a pirate fan and what they've done to that franchise is embarrassing, but uh, Brian Reynolds is five bombs and 14 RBIs. Ryan Mountcastle, uh, another of the plethora of, Oriole prospects, by the way, which we've seen another one, one of my favorites, uh, get called up. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute. He has five home runs and 18 RBIs. Uh, Tuesday, we had, he had two bombs and nine RBIs. Uh, the Orioles are winning and having fun. That that division, I think, might be fascinating to watch because without the schedule leaning towards playing each other 18 times, you could have four teams from that division make the playoffs. You could. And 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 make it by a, a wide margin, um, with the Orioles being one. Orioles, Blue Jays, uh, Yankees, and the Rays. Um, Mountcastle five and eighteen. Uh, Luis Roberts of the White Sox five uh, home runs, eleven RBIs. Um, the problem is after Dylan Cease, uh, the mound, which again, uh, Lynn and and Giolito have given up nineteen and in nineteen innings. Uh, the bullpen's been shaky without Hendricks. I I think. Uh, what's the term they use? Revert to the mean. Uh, I, I think the 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 socks will revert to. The, I, I think they'll be the socks, which means I think they'll be okay uh, as the season because uh, Giolito and and Lynn, I expect Lynn is just consistent. Lance has yeah. always been a consistent yeah. guy, and you know I'm not expecting him to go 22 and four, but I certainly am not expecting him to go four and 18. So you know a Lance Lynn season, he'll be 15 and 10. Uh, with a three eight, uh, but it'll give you a ton of innings and be consistent with that offense. That should be enough. Um, Max Muncy hit two homers on Wednesday. Uh, he's got five and fourteen, and Rafael Devers uh, five and twelve with the Red Sox. You know your question. This seems low to me, off the cuff. You know this is my old school without looking at the numbers. I would say that's absurdly low, but it might not be. But I can just remember so many years where where guys would start out through the first week and they'd have ten home runs mid April. Um, you know, I, we're not seeing that right now. Um, I think, uh, and we're going to talk about this next week. I think next week's the first week we should take like a little bit of a deep dive into the changes, the rule changes and impact. Uh, we're going to talk about it, um, uh, at the end of the show. Uh, but the shift is probably the big one, uh, and stolen bases, which I think are big. Um, Billy, uh, Luis Arias of the Marlins. I, I said, when the move happened this winter, um, there are certain numbers, certain guys who whose metrics aren't lying. 
um, a hundred and he, he's got over 1600 career plate appearances. He has about 130 career punch outs. That's, uh, that's April for a guy like Pete Alonzo. Um, he's legit. He's hitting uh 537. Uh, Tuesday, as of, yeah, I uh, think he, yeah, he, he dropped a little yesterday, but, uh, yeah, as of, as of, uh, airtime, he's right. He's over 500. He hit for the cycle. Um, Tuesday, uh, which was in the Marlins, the only team without one, which is kind of surprising considering who's been in that organization. Um, the last guy to have that high of an average after 40 at bats, I don't know, uh, you might have to Google search to find this guy. It was a guy named Stan Usual, um, who was, he was pretty good. Uh, Aries <laughs> won the batting title last year uh, before being traded to the Marlins for uh, uh, Pablo Lopez uh, and two prospects. Uh, Lopez, by the way, one and zero in three starts with twenty six punch outs and twenty innings and a one three five. One of those win win trades, which you rarely see, but but this area's guy uh, I love as a pitcher, nightmare guy to face, only because I couldn't count on him to swing and miss in anything. And when you can't do that, you have to defend for contact. So for me, it gets down to I need to defend this guy for for contact. So I'm going to make him hit the ball the other way. I'm going to play my defense the other way. Uh, and, and and keep the ball in the outside part of play. Problem is you can't make a mistake with a guy like this because his bat is literally a weapon that he can use to put the ball to all fields. Um, so, so, so yeah, and pay attention to him. I, 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 I don't go to sleep on him. Uh, if you're a, a keeper league fantasy guy, definitely a guy uh, you want to have on your roster for the next five to 10 years because his, his contact rate and his ability to not swing and miss is going to make his slumps will be small. Uh, and with the shift, uh, unable to be implemented, uh, I think the guys like that are going to reap enormous benefits uh, from that. Um, so, so anyway, uh, during this week, I uh, one of the shows on Outkick.com, the Gun Show, uh, interviewed Derek Lowe, and in the interview, Derek talked about the 2003-2004 Red Sox, and I want you to take a listen. Yep. What he had to say here. When you look at those two teams, though, there were seven, eight Hall of Famers that were playing, not just like Hall of Famers for the Red Sox, like Cooperstown Hall of Famers. So, you know, that was one of the things that I wish you could sit, go back and, and enjoy more and say, hey, Clemens against, you know, Pedro Schilling versus Pettit or Messina, then A Rod Jeter, you know it. Um, the Sheffields of the world. I mean, there's just amazing talent level and i think back then you know it was i don't i don't necessarily teams stayed together long like i was there eight years we had a majority of us were there together um obviously oh three what happened you know aaron boone and then oh four with a comeback it was just in a magical time you know there were fights thrown in there along the way um you know a rod was supposed to come to boston then he goes to new york so there was just a lot of storylines and a lot of very talented people and it was just a, a magical, magical time in my career. And, you know, it's something you, know, you still go back to Boston. I mean, it's 19 years later and people still buy you a beer, buy a meal. They remember everything about it. Yeah. And it definitely changed people's lives in Boston for sure. You bring up the fight, Don Zimmer and Pedro. I mean, just madness, just chaos. <laughs> madness. Yeah. Yeah. I think both like, instantly regretted it the one second after it happened oh, you know like... i don't know how old he was at the time but you know pedro just you know gently threw him on the ground if you want to say but yeah. um no just just highly Ooh. intense highly 
competitive teams that really didn't like each other, to be honest with you. So, Kurt, I, I was a fan in the Northeast during all of this, and I was thinking this is the best baseball is. Yeah. And you uh, were there. Can't debate it, man. Um, I think next to the mid to late 70s, the 03, 04, 05 era of Red Sox are in the late 90s and early 2000s. I think that that was the height of the rivalry. There wasn't the disdain and hatred, I think, because I, I think there was legit hatred in the 70s. There were guys we didn't like at all, and I'm sure there were guys on our team that they couldn't stand. Um, uh, and But it was that rivalry has always been in the fans, in the stands, and in the bleachers far more than on the field from an intensity perspective. You could always – I always enjoyed not pitching in the series because I knew I get to watch, you know, four or five WWE matches in the stands. Uh, and the more alcohol, the later the game, the more intense the fights got to be. Um, the the fans of both franchises really do dislike the players on the other team. There's like a personal visceral thing. I mean, listen, how can you hate Derek Jeter? Like, I, I get it. You know, this world does hate sustained success. But the guy was uh, uh, off the front page his entire career playing in the media capital of the world and, and had the fifth most hits of all time or, or – yeah, something like third or fourth or fifth most hits of all time. Um, and the Red Sox fans hated him. My, one of my favorite memories was in <laughs> 05 playing the Yankees uh, opening day in Fenway when they introduced Mariano Rivera and our fans gave him a standing O in Boston because of the blown save from <laughs> 04. Uh, and he smiled and laughed and tipped his hat because he's a class act. But the intensity was real, man. I mean, the Veritech A-Rod fight uh, – Veritek wanted to split him in half, like physically break him in half. Um, and A-Rod uh, didn't want to get broken in half. Um, we didn't like each other, and and it, it showed. And and two supremely talented rosters um, going at it 18 times and then in one of the best postseason series ever. Uh, and that's why I always say, Bill, uh, the, the one thing uh, I've always had and will always have on Yankee fans is they will always be fans of the team who had the biggest choke in Boston speak ever, no matter what they win. So I'm all right with that. Yankee fans have, 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 uh, uh by the way, as I, after I retiring, the largest contingent of baseball fans on the planet that have reached out to me, telling me I hated you as a player. I love you as a person have been Yankee fans, which is awesome because in 2004 they were in that series, did you pitch, did you start two or three games? Uh, I, and, uh, I started the first game Yep, and got my butt kicked. And then I started game six, which was the bloody sock game. Uh, the, the first bloody sock game. And that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was just, and, and remember those games were three and four hours, four hours long. Oh, absolutely. Um, and all of new England was having sick days, uh, because of, I mean, that whole postseason was, I, and Hey, you know what? Remind me next episode or an episode coming up, I'll tell you about the wives fight that propelled us to win eight in a row in the postseason. Oh, it's a, it's a that's muscle. getting written down right now. That yes, is yes. absolutely the fight in the wives room that propelled us to win eight straight. I, we're going to have to do that Monday because yes, yes, yes. So, we're coming back. So, yeah. so uh, I, yeah. And I'm with the, and by the way, guys, uh, one of my favorite moments ever of 04 was standing in the outfield the day after the playoff roster had been named 
And Derek Lowe was pissed because he wasn't in the rotation. He wasn't going to be starting in the series or he wasn't going to be, wasn't going to get the ball. And I remember talking to him and saying to him, you know, listen, dude, you're on the roster. And at some point you're going to have to make a pitch to help us win a game. Turns out he pitched all three clinchers, which was awesome. Uh, and well-deserved. He had had a really rough year. Uh, there were, you know, stuff going on, on and off the field for him. Phenomenal. I love him, love him to death and always loved him as a teammate, but he clutched up in the, in the biggest way possible at the biggest time possible and could have been, I think him and folk, uh, Mark Bellhorn, uh, Billy Miller were the MVPs of that off season or that postseason. They should have, they should have all been in on an MVP award, but that was uh, he was a special, special guy who played a long time and was very talented. So um, that'll about do it for topics. We got questions this week. I, I, I got, got a couple of things questions. I want to bring up here before yep. we get out of here. One Jordan Walker, He's up to 12-game hit streak out of the start of the season. He, What's stopping him? Nothing. No. Um, so you always hear people talking, oh, the league's going to catch up. Um, and, and it generally does catch up. Uh, that doesn't mean that the numbers are going to go down. Um, it just means that the league's going to catch up and learn him. Uh, uh, for the most part, there's already a book on the guy. Um but getting to the big leagues changes things for guys. And so after April, you'll start to see some adjustments. You'll start to see them now, but more importantly, uh, or more intently after the, the first month when the, the, the advanced scouts have had a chance to see him face all kinds of pitching and all the things that go with that, uh, the legal adjust, but guys like him, I think, I believe, excuse me, uh, he'll adjust with it. He's, I think he's that good. I think he's legit. And again, the Cardinals just continue to, to spew out baseball players and good ones from their minor league system. All right. So this is entirely a fan thing and it's a bunch of fans. There's no name to put to this, but debates going on all over the place. Our boss, Gary and I had a long discussion about this. And so I bring it up last night's A's game, Wednesday night's A's game. Eurus Familia came on late in the game uh, in the seventh pitched two thirds of an inning Gives up two runs. The game gets tied at four. In the bottom half of the inning, they score four runs, go up eight, four. And then this kid, Chad Smith, who literally came up from the minors that day, comes in, pitches two innings, one hit ball, no runs. They win eight, four. The official score gives the win to Chad Smith and gives nothing to Eurus Familia. Traditionally, yours familiar was in the was the pitcher of record when they took the lead. Mm -hmm. Smith would have gotten a save. The official scorer said, "No, you throw two thirds of an inning and get give up two runs. We're not giving you anything." How do you feel about that? Uh, two ways. Number one, uh, I like the uh, potential discretion of the scorer to assign the win when there isn't a starting pitcher involved. Um, I, I do agree with that. Number two. I thought the rule book was pretty clear on what a save is, right? I, there's, there's a statistical definition of a save. You can't qualify for a save and not get one, right? It's, right. it's like, no, that's, that's a good point. So maybe he should have gotten both. Right. Why, why not? Well, why wouldn't you? Because here's the thing. If I go seven innings as a starter and we're leading five, nothing when I come out of the game, 
the start. He can't choose to give the win to somebody else. Right. 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 And so, I totally agree with you on the starter thing. If a starter goes five right, right. and has the lead, it's a different game now. Different from a pitching perspective uh, and how pitchers are used, but the rules haven't changed. A save is one inning with a run, a lead of three runs or less, or coming in with a tying run at base on bat or on deck. Um, period. Right. Not uh, at the scorer's discretion. So sure, give him give him the win, but you can't not give him the save. Yeah, yeah. So th- I think that'll be amended um, or addressed immediately because it, I know it might seem like a trivial thing, but players are paid on their statistics. Exactly. Well, and this Period. is a kid who just got brought up. <laughs> Those kind yeah. of statistics are going to matter. Well, Familia didn't deserve the win. Right. Well, I mean, but again. The scorer has discretion, I believe. I don't know what the exact language is on the on the on assigning a win if a pitcher, starting pitcher, doesn't qualify or whatever. Um, and I, I, for the most part, I don't have a problem with that. Um, but remember, there are guys whose contracts are incentive based, statistically incentive based to some degree. Uh, I, I I'm not going to determine my extra salary on some arbitrary decision by a guy who literally never strapped it on. And and that's not to, to, to be demeaning to the, to the, to the writers or the scorekeepers because the scorekeepers are very, I don't know if people understand how the whole scorekeeping thing works, but every team has a hometown score and that person has earned the job, or I don't know exactly how you become that, but it's one guy. And that's the guy up in the booth who's deciding if that hit was a, a an error or a hit in the no hitter in the eighth inning. Um, and he's not asking – well, uh, the good ones will ask. I know that for a fact. Good scorekeepers will look around the box and say, hey, guys, what do you think? Uh, but I've also seen and know for a fact of scorekeepers who have taken out personal grudges on players and teams in the score box, in the score on the scorebook, assigning a hit to a, a, a what should have been an error or vice versa, um, you know, uh, giving hits at home or, or taking away errors at home for the home team. Uh, that's happened. It's always had, it's happened forever. Um, which is part of, I guess, the beauty of baseball is that there are some things that aren't defined, uh, by a clock used to not be defined by a clock. Uh, and a lot of those are changing, but again, he can't take the save away from him. He got the save by the rule book. He got a save. You can give him the, I, I don't know that there's a, there's a rule that prohibits. I don't think there's a rule prohibiting a pitcher from getting the win and the save. I, I don't think there is. No, I definitely don't think there is. Right. So, so uh, uh, he certainly, de- Familia didn't deserve anything other than the smile he had on his face when his team came back and won after he blew the game. Uh, and I know as a reliever, that's the worst feeling in the world. But again, this guy yeah. earned the win and the save. Yeah. So. All right, Kurt. Well, another really good show. Thank really you. enjoyed hearing all of that from you today. Really good stuff. Outkick.com, folks. Outkick.com. Go to the up in the upper right corner. Check for shows. Uh, Kurt Schilling Baseball shows down there. There's usually a link on the front page on the day that the show airs for you to go directly there. It's on Spotify now. Um, so check it out. Kurt Schilling Baseball show. Bill, uh, have a wonderful weekend. Uh, quick note, uh, Nashville Predators play tonight at home with their final season game. Uh, my new Marine is going to be the hero on ice tonight. So, uh, 
He will be oh, recognized. Congratulations. Him. That's awesome. Yeah, and the little bastard hasn't even finished combat infantry school and he's already getting recognized. So I don't know. <laughs> well, you but, enjoy uh, the hockey no, game. Yeah, so we're excited for that. Uh, but you have a wonderful weekend, Bill, and we'll catch up on uh, on Monday next week, and maybe the Rays will still be unbeaten.